0: Apart from your profession of faith, what is the supporting evidence you have that demonstrates that you are a Christian? It's a bold question, I know. What a way to start a podcast. But you know, wouldn't it be worthwhile on this side of heaven to evaluate such a vital matter? While praying a prayer is essential to become a believer, the more significant authenticity authentication is the evidence of a transformed life. I want to talk about that in this podcast. I think some people doubt they struggle with assurance as far as their salvation is concerned, and so I want to lay out four pieces of criteria that will help you to determine if you are a believer or not. Also, for those of you who are serving those, helping other people, speaking into their lives, perhaps this podcast will be helpful for you as you help them to evaluate whether they are in the faith or not. My name is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Life Over Coffee. What I have for you in this episode is an article. This is is an article from our website, every now and then I do an article, not just an episode with show notes, but an actual full-blown article that is written out. And so if you want to read this podcast, you can. The article is on our website. The article and the podcast are by the same title. It is Four Essentials That Authenticate Your Christianity. If you're searching for it on our website, go to the search feature at the top of the site, click on it, and you can just type in the word authenticate, or you can type in the word for essentials, and that will bring up this article, and you can read the entire thing. There are a little more than 2,000 words, and as always, we have embedded links in all of our articles, and so this could be a wonderful six-month uh, process, a homework assignment, as you read this article, and then delve into all the linked articles that are embedded in this one. Again, the title of it is Four Essentials That Authenticate Your Christianity. Let me share this article with you right now. I want to begin by sharing with you a a verse that you are familiar with, it is James 2.17. He says this, "'So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead.'" Now we know that we do not work in order to be saved, but we work because we are saved. It is the natural byproduct of being born again. If Christ took up habituation inside of you, if he inhabited himself inside of you, there would be evidence of him being there, right? It's similar to a maid that comes to your hotel room after you leave. There is evidence that you are there. That maid knows that you are there. And so what evidence can you point to that shows Christ is living with you? Now these pieces of evidence do not make you a Christian going back to the James 2:17 text, we don't work to become, we work because. And so these pieces of evidence do not make you a believer, but they do point to the reality of regeneration. The gospel should always grip our hearts, and we see the evidence of its grip on how we live our lives. Jesus was distinctly Christian. Isn't that a wonderful statement? He, he was not another kind of religious person, but he was a, a Christian, and, and that's the kind of person that he wants us to emulate, to be like him. There were a few distinctions that did make him unique, and these are the same distinctions that make us different too. To be a Christian is to be like Jesus, and to not be transforming into Jesus is contrary to what being a Christian means. If you are examining, assessing someone, and that's okay to do, because you you want to help them, and, and sometimes people will ask, how do you know if that person is a Christian? Well, there should be active forward movement, progress of transforming, ongoing transformation into Jesus Christ. Now, to determine what it means to be a Christian, you must separate the singular acts of the Christians in the Bible, from the repeated patterns of those Christians. And sometimes we can look at people in the Bible and say, well, they did this and they did that. They did this act, they did that act, and and therefore I need to do that, and that makes me a Christian. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the singular acts of Christians in the Bible, But I do want to draw attention to it just for a little bit, but what you really want to address and what you really want to look at are the patterns, the way you live in a daily basis. You know, typically the single, non-repeatable actions in the Bible are a moment-in-time unique event rather than something that you are to emulate on a daily basis. We do not consider unique events, like I'm going to imitate this unique event from a historical figure. We do not consider that to be normative. Let me give you a few examples of what I mean, and it will be clear to you. For example, Moses threw a tree in a pond in exodus 15 and the water became drinkable nobody should recommend that you replicate this act by throwing a tree in a lake and and drink the water afterward The Old Testament complainers in Moses' day, they found healing. If you try that, you may become sick. Now, here's another example that's very popular. This is Gideon. You remember what he did? He puts out a fleece in Judges 6 in order to figure out what to do next. Now, this act, this singular unique act it is one time exceptional circumstance that is not a directive on how we make biblical decisions and i hear people talk about this all the time i put out a fleece that has that is not something that makes you a christian or even shows evidence of being a, a christian uh, honestly, that is a foolish way to make biblical decisions. You see another spin on this idea of decision-making in Acts 126, where the apostles prayed for snake eyes as they cast lots to see who would be in their group. I do not recommend this approach for your pastoral search committee. Another bad idea is the prayer cloth miracle. We see a lot of the prosperity gospel people that Act this way. They do these acts. If you give money to any person for a prayer cloth expecting to experience healing, you will be disappointed. I mean, maybe the Lord would provide you with common sense. And if so, that will be the best possible outcome. Prayer cloths are unique not normative, to examine your Christian life, you're looking for normative behavior, not unique. You remember when Jesus told Mary and Martha that he was glad their brother had died in John 11? I would not recommend this the next time you're engaging someone who just lost a family member. The wind does not always blow the same way, John 3, 8. Each person and circumstance requires a unique opportunity to engage the Lord while expecting the Spirit's illumination on how to respond at that moment. We want to live a pneumatic life. That is the normative life that we want to live. That, that's not tied to unique events in the Bible. These unique opportunities are what makes discipleship exciting. You never know what the person you are meeting will bring to you, which is why you don't script a discipleship opportunity. This kind of reliance on the Spirit is humbling and invigorating. While one-time spontaneous, unique moments can fill the Christian's heart with anticipation and adventure, all of us must deeply immerse ourselves in the repeated patterns of the Bible, of the Christians in the Bible, the things that are normative for every person who follows Jesus. Now thinking about repeated patterns, living that kind of life, how many repeatable Christian patterns come to your mind? When you think about the Christian life, the practices that you want to implement that authenticate your walk with the Lord. Well, I want to share with you four repeatable patterns that should be in our lives every day. And if these four repeatable patterns are part of your life every day, every week of your life, It could very well authenticate. It could very well affirm that you are a Christian. Now, I will go ahead and give you what these four patterns are that authenticate our faith. And then I will get into all four of them. The first one is Bible mastery. The second one is active repentance. The third one is expectant prayer. And the fourth one is pneumatic serving. And if you're doing these four things, if these four things make up the patterns of your life, there's a solid chance. I mean, I would have to affirm that you are a Christian. Let me take the first one, Bible Mastery. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for these four things. He says it's profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Because the Word of God is so profound that we want to master it. Maybe it would be better to say, let it master us. And if you are daily immersing yourself in the Bible, that is one of the authentic data points that you're looking for to see if a person is a Christian. We find everything we know about God in the Bible, which makes the Bible so essential. There is no other specific revelation provided for us about God. All other books about God find their truths in his word. The Word of God is the only authoritative source for you to know how to live the Christian life. Hence, you want to be mastered by it. It has everything you need for living a life of godliness. Now, while other books, I've written three books, and they can benefit you, but any truth that are in those books about God, the roots of those truths come from the soil of God's Word. If you want to profit in life, Scripture must master you. Paul says God's word does four things for you. It teaches, it reproves or confronts, it corrects, number three, and it trains, number four. Note the sequence in that passage of scripture in 2 Timothy 3. It is purposeful and transformative. Here's how it goes. When you study God's word, you experience, number one, teaching, and from your studies, God, number two, reproves or confronts you regarding certain things. And after God's word confronts you, the change process begins. That's number three, correction. And this new direction puts you on, number four, a training path of right living. Did you see that sequence there? Here it is in 2 Timothy, Uh, the word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. There is a sequence there. The believer who regularly submits to God's word will position themselves to experience the mastering effect of the Bible. This experience should be normative for any Christian. Rather than getting hung up on putting fleeces out because it was a unique event in the Old Testament or throwing a stick in a pond to to drink out of it, don't get caught up in these unique events in the Bible, but see who in the Bible had repeatable patterns throughout their lives and imitate that. Well, one of those patterns that you want to imitate is Bible mastery, number one. Number two, active repentance. Now, I'm going to quote Martin Luther here because this is just a powerful quote. It was the first point of his 95 points uh, that he nailed to the Wittenberg door. Here's what Martin Luther said. Point number one of his 95 theses, he said, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And so when Martin Luther reflected on the Bible, and when he wrote out a list of things that are important for the Christian faith, this was the first thing that he wrote out. And that's why I've inserted it here under number two, active repentance, a normative pattern that should be in our lives that authenticates whether we are Christians or not to run from your sin, and to cling to Jesus should be a standard practice in every Christian's life. This opportunity is unique and repeatable for every believer. The word repentance, as you know, means to change. The first time you repented was when God regenerated you. This first change is the salvation, to be born again. It's the salvation that the Lord brings to you. It's not the sanctification change you need to mature. No, those are two different things. They are connected. Salvation is the first time you repent. And then the sanctification life is ongoing repentance throughout your life, life as it brings you to a place of greater maturity or greater Christ likeness. Salvation does not transform you entirely, it puts you on the track of transformation. Regeneration permits you to go to heaven, praise God, but it does not make you fit for this life. It's a good start. Yes, it is. It's it's, it's an essential start, but that is all. This fact is why Luther talked about the Christian life as being a life of ongoing repentance. It is impossible to repent one time and be like Christ. You must be a repeat repenter as you keep on repenting until Jesus returns. A Christian home, for example, should be a repenting home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Each family member who professes Christ should be actively owning and confessing their sins while seeking forgiveness from all those who have been affected by their offenses. The person who is not regularly repenting is a liar. Now, I know that sounds harsh. I get it. I understand. But it is what John said to the Christians in his day. In John 1, 1 John 1, Verses eight and nine, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And and so let me, and again, I know this sounds harsh, but the person who is not regularly repenting is a liar. And that's what he said, the truth is not in us. And so one way to authenticate your faith is by regularly, consistently immersing yourself to Bible mastery, hoping to be mastered by the Bible. Number two is to be an active repenter. Number three is expectant prayer. To make all things a matter of prayer, that is the gold standard for Christians. You remember what Paul says, very short, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, three words. What did he say? Pray without ceasing now he didn't mean that every syllable that comes out of your mouth in every second of your day is supposed to be a prayer but we should live in an attitude of prayer prayer should precede the mighty works of God it would be better to say expectant prayer and that's why I, I labeled number three here not just prayer but expectant prayer Jesus could not function well on earth without expectant praying. He prayed often. It was his habit. There was nothing – there was something inside of him that motivated him to talk to his father. If it, There should be something inside of all of us that motivates us to talk to our Heavenly Father. That is one of the ways that you can authenticate your faith. You're motivated. Uh, you, you, you're bent this way. This privilege is another unique and repeatable feature of the Christian life. You can speak to God, and you should be communicating with Him. Prayer is not a passive activity. It is an expected activity, when my children come to me and asking for something they come expecting an answer. They do not ask and then walk away with no expectation of a response. No, they said something to me and they expect me to respond to react in some way. Prayer is an action that acknowledges that you you cannot depend on yourself. The praying life is humility and maturity rolled into an other world dependence that expects God to do what is perfect for the situation. The praying person is not looking to accomplish his plan. He does not pray to fulfill self-determined desires, but prays because of an insatiable passion for doing, for the doing of the Lord's will. And so point number three in authenticating Uh, whether you are a believer or not, is expectant. Prayer. The title of this article that I'm sharing with you again is Four Essentials That Authenticate Your Christianity. I would love for you to read it. I would love for you to share it with 1,000 of your closest friends. Let me wrap up by giving point number four, and that is pneumatic serving. So there's the four, uh, four points again. Number one, Bible mastery. Number two, active repentance. Number three, expected prayer. Number four, here it is, pneumatic serving. The word pneumatic, pneumatology is the study of the spirit. Pneuma, you hear the word air in it. Pneumatic drill, pneumatic. uh, Pneumatic serving is spirit-laced, spirit-empowered serving. The text of Scripture, one of my favorites, is Mark ten forty-five, where Jesus is talking about himself, and he says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The missional purpose of all Christian habits is to share the gospel with others lovingly. Making the name of Jesus magnificent in the world should be the primary motive for church life. All of the habits noted thus far, I am talking about Bible mastery, active repentance, expectant prayer, all of those habits point toward that one purpose of serving others. Being mastered by the Bible, aggressively repenting of sin, spending time actively and independently praying is the platform upon which your Christian witness, your pneumatic serving stands. Your serving is pneumatic in the sense that you never precisely know what God is up to in the world. And I do find that invigorating. I mean, every day is expectant of what God is going to do. I am here, ambassador for Christ, not knowing which way the wind is blowing. And as he said in John 3, eight, but knowing that the Spirit is moving and I want to follow, I want to walk in his steps. The fortified Christian moves through God's world while keeping in step with the Spirit, always aware that each step could be the chance to put Christ on display. Christians must have spirit-illuminated peripheral vision and depth of field. We must see what others cannot see, which enables us to become competent servants. The world cannot perceive things from the Spirit of God because those things are spiritually discerned, Paul said in Corinthians 2.14. Discerning serving opportunities and being quick to provide the assistance needed was one of the hallmarks of Jesus. He could see what others could not see. And he stepped into those moments and served. So point number four that authenticates your faith is pneumatic serving. Now you see the patterns of these four things in, for example, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts is full of people who repeatedly did these four things. Because of their faith, because of their active faith, they pushed the Christian message to the ends of the earth. When John Donne, John Donne is my favorite poet. Uh, He was also a theologian, got some wonderful poems. His sonnet, uh, Batter My Heart, uh, is is one of the most profound sonnets ever written. But anyway, when John Donne thought about the activity of the people in Acts and the people in his day, he wrote this. Here's a quote from John Donne, thinking about the people of Acts. And applying it to the people in his day, which we could apply to the people in our day. He said this They are reckoned in this book, meaning they are reckoned in this book of Acts, two and twenty sermons of the apostles in the book of Acts. And yet the book is not called the preaching. It's got two and twenty, it's got twenty two sermons in the book of Acts. But this book is not called the preaching, but the practice the acts of the apostles. Not the words, but the acts of the apostles. And the acts of the apostles were to convey the name of Jesus Christ and to propagate his gospel all over the world. Beloved, you are actors upon the same stage too. The uttermost part of the earth are your scene. Act over the act of the Acts of the Apostles. Be you a light to the Gentiles that sit in darkness. Be you content to carry him over the seas who dried up one Red Sea for his first people and hath poured out another Red Sea, his own blood for them and us. John Donne's a poet, and you see it in his in his writings as he writes beautifully and poetically. This quote here, you're welcome to read, is embedded at the bottom of the article. How do you know you are a Christian? One way to tell is if you repeatedly do the things the Christians in Acts were regularly doing. He, he, he said, act the act of the apostles, we are actors upon the same stage too. The uttermost part of the earth are your scene, John Dunn said. For those actions, for those practices, we're being students of the word, actively repenting of sin, engaging in expectant prayer, and pneumatically serving others so the mission of Jesus could advance. Do these things characterize you? Do they characterize me? If not, will you talk to someone about what you just heard? Perhaps you have a friend or a spouse or a child who is not practicing the Christian life. If so, will you ask the Father how you are to respond to them now i want to give you the call to action in this article again the title of the article four essentials that authenticate your christianity and i want to ask a couple questions about each one of these and so i'll start the first one i gave you was the bible being mastered by the bible and so here's a very straightforward question is god's word mastering you Another question about the Bible, are your attitudes, are your words, are your actions rooted in the soil of God's word? All right, here's a couple of questions about repentance. Are you an active repenter? Now, if you are an active repenter, then you have you have asked someone to forgive you of sin in the last couple of days, last three days. I mean, how perfect can you be? I mean, three days is a good long run for perfection. Here's another question. Do your family members and close friends experience your ongoing repentance? And then number three was prayer, expectant prayer, I called it. Do you pray because you are supposed to pray or do you pray because you expect the active goodness of God to unfold on your behalf? another question. Do you pray because you are more eager to discern God's will for a situation or because you hope to accomplish your desires? And then number four is serving. Are you characterized as a servant because you see things and are responsive to those things? That's one of the things that we've tried to to teach our children, and and you, you can talk to them about these things as I'm talking to you about these things now, being nomadic and being responsive and reactive to uh, what is around you and having peripheral vision. But ultimately, the Spirit of God is the one that empowers and illumines. And so you want to have the categories for it, but it's the Spirit of God that fills you up and, and gives you that vision to respond and react appropriately. Are you characterized as a servant because you see things and are responsive, you react to those things. And then... The second question, do you find joy in serving others? Now, if you would like to talk to us about this article, uh, any part of it, please, uh, we have free forums that are made available to you by those who uh, partner with us financially, those who support this ministry financially. And so you can come here freely and you can ask any question that you wish. Uh, We also have private forums for those who do support us. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.